Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to take the highway to the danger zone as we discuss Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Thomas, why Top Gun Maverick? What made you want to talk about this movie? I think this is a movie that's yet another in a long string of like, we're, we're pretty much used to it now, maybe even starting to scrape the bottle of the barrel in terms of every known quantifiable past film that still has some cast member alive, even those that don't. Whether or not the cast members are still living, I guess, is, is no longer <laughs> an issue at this point for some people. But everything's being resurrected in some form and having mm -hmm. Tom Cruise come back and make another Top Gun movie is certainly an interesting addition. But I started to get interested in this specifically when I was at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, and this premiered there. And I didn't get this to see it, but as I was following the hype about everything that was happening at Cannes, I saw quite a few people, critics kind of responding positively to Maverick specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I was very interested, despite the fact that I had actually never seen the original Top Gun. So oh, okay. Yeah. After I heard some of the good, how it had been received, I went and watched the other Top Gun and then was excited to see what, what this one would have in store. What about you? What, what intrigued you about the idea of Tom Cruise kind of revisiting this franchise? For me, it was actually quite simple. I went to see it in the theater with some friends who are mostly like casual film goers. And I just had like a total blast with <laughs> this movie. Like we had so much fun. And even my friend, he said like, this is the best movie I've seen in 10 years. And <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go as far to say that, but it just was such a awesome experience that reminded me again in some way of like what the power of cinema can be. I do have to say that normally I go to see movies either during the day when it's less crowded or I watch them at home. But this time I was again in like a crowded theater and it was just, you have that extra element of like the collective vibe that you can sort of sense as you're watching a movie. Yeah. And so initially I thought like, oh, maybe it was just that I went to see like another movie in a big screen. But then a couple of days after I saw Jurassic World Dominion, also super crowded theater, but none of those same energy. So <laughs> it, yeah. there's definitely something special about Top Gun Maverick that I just want to dig into. I think it's, it feels modern, it feels fresh, but at the same time, it's also feels very traditional, very classic, like uh, very eighties and nineties while still feeling like it does something new, like you're experiencing something that it felt like it filled some sort of void that I didn't know I had in some way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, from just a filmmaking perspective, I was mostly interested in how it kind of plays with its own legacy, how it integrates it into the story, yeah. how it uses these kind of traditional, almost melodramatic aspects to kind of give that emotional arise and to kind of provide that sense of catharsis that I think was very effective towards the end of this movie and that I think a lot of people are responding positively to. So yeah. that's something I want to explore. And I was also interested in the way there's a kind of paradox in the way it kind of functions as a story, as an almost mythological story in some way. We'll get into what I mean with that specifically later and how it functions as a more social political 
tale. Like it's there's an obvious relation to militarism that's hard to ignore, but at the same time, the movie really does a great job at making you want to ignore it. Right. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's something I was yeah. interested in discussing. Like, to what extent is there an issue there, or like a contradiction, or some friction, or um, yeah, so yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to discuss, and I'm interested in, in in getting into all of that. I think to add one thing to what you just said, like you watching this, and I'm sure people listening to this have probably already heard it from other places, but like there's a sentiment going around that kind of like they don't make movies like this anymore kind of a thing like mm -hmm. there is such a classical aspect to it and it's not just the subject matter it's the way this movie is like handling its story in such a sincere like straightforward way i think that like very much makes it stand apart in a world where almost more of what we expect now is like the multiverse the stuff that's like you know bending subverting story structure and expectations and uh leveling all these kinds of like self-aware critiques of itself like a lot of movies we've talked about very recently like everything everywhere all at once the worst mm -hmm. person in the world the matrix resurrection you know like they're all these like attempts to kind of like engage you with a story but also kind of deal with like the postmodern chaos of like narrative collapsing and like all you know all these these things that you know, are, are kind of present in the modern world. But this movie, very in stark contrast to those, has struggles with really none of those things. It's like, we've got mm -hmm. a hero, we've got a story to tell, and we're here to get you excited about, like, the journey that that hero is on. <laughs> and And I think, like, there's an element of that that is, like, and probably some of what we'll get to is there's a piece of that that makes it a very uncritical movie in a certain sense of the environment that it's a part of, which, as you pointed out, is a very militaristic one. So, you know, maybe that's a problem. We'll talk about it. But there's also a sense in which, like, there is a sort of refreshing appeal, mm -hmm. even if some part of the back of my head is like, you know, uh, may, you know, maybe this is problematic in mm -hmm. some sense. There's a refreshing a appeal to just being like, oh, yes. A, a story look <laughs> mm -hmm. so i found that interesting and i think it like it does show that you can engage an audience if you just have like some interesting characters an emotionally engaging story and like good interesting action i think that's another piece of this like part of why i was interested to watch this is tom cruise generally does even with the mission impossible films even when the story is dumb and i'm not that interested in the story i still get something out of like watching him on screen do these impressive stunts and so i was i was interested to see that here and i think like the action really is pretty engaging mm -hmm. i found even almost i'd be curious before we like really dive into this film to hear what you thought about it in contrast to the original um because i hadn't i hadn't seen the original prior to like the week i watched this and i watched that and i was surprised to see like, I can see why it appealed at a certain time or place, but it really didn't capture me watching it. And I thought, especially like the other stuff in, in that movie, that seems weird. I could have forgiven, but the action felt very chaotic. Like I had a difficult time following what mostly felt like a montage of jets, you know, kind of like, mm, and people uh, yeah, like yeah. moving. 
through the air in a way that was kind of hard to follow in the original Top Gun. Whereas this movie, I felt like did a fantastic job of taking an action that is very kind of inherently incomprehensible where like, you know, it's, it's hard Mm -hmm. to be able to follow like the perspective of jets moving very quickly through the air and in the sky and like their relationship to each other and like make that be coherent visually and dramatize it in a way where you're like not just engaged with the stakes of the scene, but also with like what's happening physically. Mm -hmm. I think this movie did a great job of that. I'm curious what you thought of the action and also like what you thought of this versus the original film before we get maybe into some of the heavier uh, topics. Mm -hmm. So I watched the original maybe 10 years ago, like, and then mostly even as it wasn't even a part of my childhood. Like it was at the time I got it, I started getting interested in movies and Top Gun just felt like it was one of those (laughs) movies that's on the most popular movie list. So I felt like I had to have seen it at least once. And I remember watching it vaguely and thinking like, oh, this is fine, kind of cheesy. I don't really care about planes and jet fighters and the machine stuff, air vehicles. I'm not not really like a vehicle guy. I I don't care about cars. I don't (laughs) care about like fast driving. I don't care about flying. But somehow Top Gun Maverick got me like really hooked. So that's something we'll get into also at some point, the weird fascination that people, especially men, have with like fast things (laughs) and machines. (laughs) But what I remember from the original, I also, I didn't rewatch it like recently, so I've only seen it the ones that many years ago, but, and I think that's one of the good things actually about Top Gun Maverick is that you don't have to have seen the original and that it doesn't, Yeah, you don't have to retroactively watch it now to get like references you may have missed or something like that. But what from what I remember is that the main difference, I think, between the movies is that Maverick sets up a mission straight away. Like from the beginning, there's this kind of Star Wars-y plan, like there's this kind of Death Star tunnel that you have to maneuver through. Then we have to hit the weak spot of the evil thing, and then we have to get out. And from what I remember from the original, it was just like more disconnected pieces like the the training and then there's a mission towards the end, but it's not as coherent as in Maverick. And I think that's also something that really makes the action so comprehensible because from the very beginning, they keep reminding you of what is at stake. They lay out the plan, they make it as clear as possible. They know, and you know, as the audience, like what they are training for. Yeah why they are maneuvering in the way that they are. Like, you know what markers they have to hit, you know how fast they have to go, you know what they have to look out for, you know the risks, you know all the stuff that's necessary to understand what is, as you said, like a really complex visual thing to make sense of. Like those jets, they go like really fast. And especially when you have multiple ones and they go, it's easy to become like very chaotic and incomprehensible. And so, yeah, that's obviously what, I think makes the action so great and also that they didn't use a lot of CGI. I think you really feel the the realness of it all. They really, the actors really flew in uh, those airplanes and not themselves, but like, you know, there's yeah. obviously like a real pilot with them, but they were actually up there in the sky and it creates some nice moments that you don't really get, I think, when you're you're faking it yeah. instead of doing it for real. Also, I watched it in, in IMAX, which just yes. contributes a lot to the visceralness of it all. Yeah. I was just going to say there's like a physicality to those interior shots where like you feel their bodies mm-hmm. and their heads like moving and, and like 
shifting with the the g forces and and the maneuvers in a way that just like you can try to perform that in a you know like staged aircraft or like mm-hmm. you know on a sound stage even where there's like an aircraft that they're manipulating but it doesn't have that feeling that you get when they're shooting it like this where they are actually in the sky doing those kinds yeah. of things yeah i agree that's definitely what for me it's it's yeah. in those little details that kind of that really sell the reality of it all but yeah coming back to its relation with the original for me i think is I think this is a movie that really shows how to do a legacy sequel very well because I had mixed feelings about it at first because it seems like there's a bit of a contradiction between at the same time having the story constantly referring back to the original, like Maverick is still upset about what happened in the original and there's obviously Rooster, the son of Goose, one of the characters from the original, there's Ice who is returning, there's all these connections, like the, we're constantly bringing up the original, kind of like the Matrix Resurrections did in a way. But at the same time, it also makes the original superfluous in a way. Yeah. Like you don't have to have seen it. You don't have to care about it really. Like to understand like this movie in its entirety, there's like no... I think that's what bothers me about like Jurassic World, the series. You have to have seen the originals to get some of yeah, the references. Yeah. And there's like a lot of wings and there's like a lot of meta communication if you have seen the originals you know like you get it like you're like oh that's a reference to that movie yeah but if you don't like some of those moments can feel a bit strange or weird or out of place and i think that maverick avoids that because it's just so good at integrating the legacy part into its present day story like there's more history presented in this film than was in the original i saw someone on twitter say like it feels like there's a hidden second movie that we may have missed because there's like a lot more stuff that seemed to have happened and in a way that it makes it feel more like star wars a new hope before like the prequels came out like there's a there's a sense of history there but you don't necessarily feel like you need to have seen it yeah and that's to me is it's different from like a legacy sequel and it's more like it's just a good story that has a sense of history right? because it integrates it all so well into the character work, into the plot, into the thematic development. And yeah, that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, I think they do a great job of using the first movie as just kind of like the emotional backstory and setup for this one. And the interesting thing is that like, I think emotionally, this one is a much more engaging film like the emotional stakes Mm -hmm. are a lot higher because that feeling of history and i did watch the first one right before i watched this but like i didn't connect with that one emotionally whereas like i felt more invested in the characters in maverick even in maverick himself in the second film in a way that you know i didn't really feel and i think they yeah they do a good job of taking it in the first one, it just feels like he's this kind of bad boy and he just has this abstract desire to like go fast. And there's various challenges that are just like cropping up in the way and things that obstacles that are being put in his path. And like he's dealing with the loss of a friend. But like in this film, the conflict is very clear from the start. You have like his whole sense of being is kind of challenged by this feeling of like, there's this person I want to protect that I want to keep from being who I am essentially like, because I see Mm -hmm. a danger in the way that I behave in the world as Maverick and 
he feels this sense of protection for this other. So his whole being is like thrown into conflict immediately. And that yeah. combined with what you talked about, where they, I think the action, the stakes of the whole film are set up much more clearly from the beginning, mm -hmm. makes this thing feel just like out the gate a lot more solid. So yeah, that was great. I think they did a great job of setting that up. And yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen either of them, you know, if you want to go back and watch the original, you'll have a little bit more like information going in. But really, you can watch Top Gun Maverick, I think, without having seen it at all, because they fill you mm -hmm. in on the necessary details. But also without being like too heavy handed about that, I was never like, oh, OK, you know, let's get to the real stuff. They do a good job of just kind of. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like they're taking detours just for the sake of nostalgia. Right. It's yeah. all integrated within the story itself, because, yeah, maybe to offer some context like this movie kind of starts with Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, being a kind of pilot or a captain who should have advanced further in his career, but he remained stuck in the in the same place that he's been since the original, which I like the way it that kind of integrated his whole engagement with the original film into his personal character arc yes. because he's kind of this out of place pilot, like uh, this, this last piece of this bygone era. And he has this last sort of job to train a group of young pilots for this mission that we talked about earlier and that's kind of his main task in this movie that yeah. he has to train a new generation and at the same time one of which is obviously the rooster the son of goose who the friend who died in the original and so we kind of learn that he's been holding rooster back a little bit to protect him at least in his own perception which obviously led to rooster resenting maverick yeah. and so from there on we already have like a like we have some character stakes. We have, uh, there's other characters too. There's like Hangman. I really liked the kind of, he, I think he was more like a blend between Ice and Maverick. Like he's presented as the kind of top dog pilot of his generation, yeah. but he also lacks like sort of the team building part. Like he's not really, he's called Hangman because he leaves his wingman hanging. Like he's kind of like a solo pilot, I guess. He really understands the go fast energy, the like mania that mm -hmm. Maverick has. Yeah. Whereas that's something that like Rooster is more disconnected from or is unable to commit to. So there's mm -hmm. a nice like relationship there. Yeah. I think the, the irony of Maverick holding Rooster back is that he obviously he wanted to protect Rooster from harm, but at the same time, by doing so, he kind of instilled some doubt within Rooster that, yeah. as it's revealed towards the end, might be the actual thing that's holding him down or holding, holding him back and maybe would eventually harm him more than if Tom Cruise would have just let go. But I think that's also where we get to like the more thematic parts of this movie because there's like these... I, I liked how there was this whole journey towards bringing that spirit of like like just the basic human spirit for like going faster and greatness and ambition and yeah kind of translating that obviously in the terms of like the, the fighter pilots but there's in some way it felt more like a sports movie to me mm -hmm. like a racing movie or something where you have like this coming together of like very big egos and they're kind of competing with each other at first but in the end they build towards something that they learn to respect each other because they know they are part of something bigger like they are pushing each other towards like some greater not necessarily greater human destiny but like they're pushing the boundaries of what humanity is capable right. of and that 
I think is so, something that's just inherently like inspirational and part of what makes this movie such a crowd pleaser and why it just has you like stand up in your chair and like cheer <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think like, well, like the core here is the character of Maverick very much embodies this sort of like American exceptionalist ideal of, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that matters is like, if you just really just like push to the limits and you have the ultimate sense of will as an individual, you can almost like this movie walks right up to implying like almost you can kind of like defy physics, like the airplane itself, the frame of the airplane will be bending and you will be on the verge of like all the blood running out of your head and you're passing out. But like, if you just Mm -hmm. like try hard enough, like you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's such like a, an American thing. And it struck me watching this, this movie Mm -hmm. that the movie, like from start to finish is just like, pure americana like there's like american flags in the Mm -hmm. background and aviator sunglasses and it's fast jets and they play football on the beach and there's labrador retrievers Mm -hmm. and they drink beer in bars (laughs) and like just like he's driving a motorcycle down a runway and like with the sun setting in the background like it's such an a an american thing and these ideas are so a part of our like society like the refrain of like just do Mm -hmm. it comes up in this movie that's like Nike, you know, that that whole mentality is is a part of us, but also with the legacy of like our storytelling, too, with things like Star Wars, like I kept thinking about Star Wars watching this. There's a lot of sort of weird parallels, but there's like Star Wars contextualizes this idea and like this fantasy element. But it's a very similar ideal of in Star Wars, you have these spaceships with targeting systems and they're trying to do these difficult things. And like what ultimately Mm -hmm. succeeds is not the technology, but like Luke's ability to harness the force and which is essentially this like, you know, it's not literally this, but it's treated almost like as a power of concentration and will. He's able to like go beyond what just a reliance on like the technology Mm -hmm. would allow you to do. I think that's like the central kind of ideal that Maverick as a character is is presenting of like. He's constantly in these situations where the like generals or admirals or or authorities above him are like, no, you can't do that. It's impossible. Or, you know, the technology can't do that or X, Y, Z. And he's like, no, I'm going to break the rules and push things to their limit. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a very like such a classically American energy mm-hmm. and, and one yeah. that this this movie is like really getting inside of. I agree, but I would say that it's, I think at the core of that, there's something that's very universal too, just like a, I, I like the way you described Maverick as this kind of spiritual or persona of American exceptionalism, but I would also say it's more like of a general like ambition towards human greatness because i especially like the part in the movie where he's teaching the best of the best and there's this moment like we're where the students say like we're already the best like who's gonna teach us and then maverick uh, comes in and he like on day one he schools everyone in the air like they're still like for one he shows them like there's still stuff to learn like there's still new frontiers to go beyond and then later when he's there's a moment where he's kind of pushed out like they he breaks the rules, he goes too far, and then, of course, the, the the guys above him, they don't want him anymore, and so they 
take over and then immediately like the conditions for the mission they are they are like softened a little bit right. like instead of doing this thing in two minutes you know just take four instead of doing this from this angle just take the safe route and the way that tom cruise gets back into the game is that he's like screw it like i'm gonna <laughs> do this i'm gonna show them that this is possible and i thought that was just a obviously it's like this really like you can interpret it as like a kind of egotistical move but i think it's also this there's something beautiful about someone showing you that something is possible and then witnessing what it does to the mindset of other people. Yes, I think yeah. that's also like, I'm not sure about this, but one of the reasons why the Olympics keep progressing, like why the records are still being broken, because there's people need to be reminded like that pushing beyond set limits is possible and then will inspire new ones to, or new athletes to uh, do, do, do the same thing or just keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. I also like uh, something completely different, but a while back I watched a documentary on Tony Hawk and the way he was the, he was the first to do the 900, yes. like a 900 degree spin. And he tried it for like hundreds of time and it wasn't said to be possible. No one tried to do it. And then when he landed it, that's when other skaters started learning it too. So there's, there's this weird thing where you often, you need like a maverick, like a literal maverick to show you something is possible for it to become comprehensible and conceivable for other people as well. And that's, I think that's something that's genuinely beautiful. And I like the way this movie integrated that into that whole little subplot with Tom Cruise being kicked out and getting back in again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't mean to reduce it to just being a, uh, just being an American thing. It's definitely broader than that. It's definitely also, it's been a part of the culture and I think it is a part of the culture and it was kind of fun and interesting to see it in this, in this context in such a like blatant and forthright way. I definitely mm -hmm. agree with you that there's a value to that in a certain way that you need those people who are just trying to push the boundaries and you know, there's a lot of ways the most visible ones are like in sports, but there's a lot of ways that people do that, that we don't think about like surgeons on the cutting edge of what's possible mm -hmm. who are pushing things to the next level. And until somebody does the first heart transplant and shows the world that that's possible, often it's assumed that it can't even be done. So I think there's, there's definitely a value in that idea of having people who are just like pushing as far as they can push the boundaries and go beyond them yeah i agree i also I, I felt even though there was like a lot of ego stuff going on like there's obviously maverick there's hangman there's there's all of these pilots competing with each other but at the same time i walked away from this movie feeling very like connected to yeah. humanity as a whole and feeling very like uplifted in a way there was this really tiny moment towards the end, just before the final mission starts, where I'm not sure if this is a thing that actually happens on these aircraft carriers, but there's this moment where one of the pilots, I'm not sure if it was Hangman or maybe another one, he walks to his aircraft and then he salutes like the engineer who just like prepared it for him. Like, And I thought that was like a, it's such a nice, tiny gesture. I'm not sure if they actually do that, but if they don't, they definitely <laughs> should. Yeah. Because I feel it felt like this moment of validation, not just for these pilots, but also for the whole support team. And you see it again, like spoilers for the end, but obviously everything ends well and all is good towards the end. But there's this moment they have to land on the 
aircraft carrier, but they have the landing yes. gear. It's kind of ruined. So they you get these this montage shot of everyone's like moving out, getting this net up and running and making sure they are able to land safely. And that's also when like the theme song hits and that's the moment of victory. And I, I liked how they emphasized they could have done it earlier. I because there's this moment where they kind of it looks like they're gonna be shot by the enemy airplane and then obviously like they're saved at the last second, but they save the big finale for at least in musical terms for the big climax comes when they land, like when they are being back into safety and like everyone's around them. Yeah. And it it just felt like this whole, it really emphasized, at least for me, that this was in the end, like a team effort. It wasn't about the ego of any one pilot. I think that's also maybe what Hangman's character arc was supposed to represent. Like he is the kind of lone wolf and he has to learn to like put his ego in check. Like he doesn't get to go along with the final mission. Even though I wasn't sure what I thought about his final moment, it kind of felt a bit out of the blue, but it made for a nice moment. And I, I, I like that they at least gave him yeah. some resolution, except having him wait out the entire mission. <laughs> but yeah, he got to he got to be a wingman in the end instead of uh, instead of leaving the wingman yeah. in the dust. I think it was a little bit of the. Yeah, that, that's a little bit of the trouble with his character arc. I think he had like two distinct problems, like one, he had too big of an yeah. ego he needed some like humility and he was like a he wasn't a team player so he also needed to show cooperation and by having him not being selected for the final mission like that resolves the first conflict but not so much the second yeah. one and so that also i was thinking like maybe though could have done it a little bit differently where he was making more of a character choice like we saw him having to choose maybe in some way between taking some kind of glory or helping his friends or going home or going back to help the other ones. But instead he's given more like the surprise moment, like yeah. the deus ex machina kind of thing. But but yeah, I guess it's, um, it's a minor issue, minor complaint. That's one thing I like about the arc from the previous movie to this one is it does feel like there's a maturity in a sense or like a maturing that has happened where he's still breaking the rules. He's still like, giving the middle finger to the man kind of like I'm just going to go do what I want but it does feel less like it's for its own sake like in the first one it just feels like mm -hmm. he's just the dude with the bad boy energy who's like you know I just can't help myself whereas in this one there was much more of this like he had a purpose most of the time when he's like I'm yep. just going to go do this like there was something he was trying to accomplish which was like I want to train these people to do the mission in a way that will save their lives. So like what he's ultimately caring mm. about and the reason he's pushing the limits is because he's trying to achieve a goal of like accomplishing their mission and saving people instead of just like, let's go as, you mm. know, as fast as is humanly possible. And that's in contrast to the attitude that is coming from his superiors, which is just like, yeah, like we're just going to have to sacrifice some lives basically to accomplish what we need to accomplish here. So that gives him a little bit more like direction, I think, and more of a sense of like purpose to that energy beyond just like I'm the best and ego. I think they set it up really well in that opening scene with the, I think it was like an experimental yeah. airplane that was supposed to hit Mach 9 and then 10, but then the the corporates were coming down to shut down the program, but he kind of breaks the rules anyways. 
but it's not mostly for his own gratification but because he knows like there's a whole team behind him and if they shut down the program like they're all gone like that whole project has lost its value so he does sort of what he does later on like he breaks the rules in order to like show or demonstrate that this has value that this is working that this has purpose but the difference in the opening scene is that he kind of succeeds but then he gives it that little bit of extra push that little bit of leftover bad boyness that yeah. comes out again and that's what ultimately comes crashing down so that's his if he has like a character arc in this movie i think it's that he needs to know to stop at like 10 <laughs> right. and don't go don't go like 10.1 no 10.2 like yeah. just <laughs> stop but i think that's even signified kind of where like he pushes it to like exactly to like 10 g's where they're doing that climb out of the thing and it's like mach 10 versus mm-hmm. 10 g's but there's almost like a parallel there in like oh he's going right up to 10 and stopping there like that's the point and that's kind of like the arc being mm-hmm. you know put into pretty simple numbers visually yeah, because yeah, obviously, as you already said, like he comes to care about these students. Whatever rules he breaks, he breaks yeah. them for their sake, not his own. And that does show his maturation, I think. How do you think the whole love angle plays into all this? Because there's also the character played by yes, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I think Penny was her name. Like She's presented as this old flame of Maverick who he knew from couple of years ago i think at first i thought she was in the original movie but then it turned out that was someone else so i was a little bit confused at first but anyways he goes to the air force base where he has to train the students and then he reconnects with her and they have their own little love yeah. story i guess what do you think of it i think it worked fine i didn't feel mm-hmm. that strongly about it in one direction or the other the conflict mm-hmm. that they were setting up there where like he's kind of torn between like risking himself wanting to be with her and like sort of provide the security like she's like I'll be with you basically but don't leave me again I had a harder time tracking with exactly that relationship and the conflict there and and the stakes of all that I don't think it was bad but it didn't gel Mm. for me quite as well but that may have been more of an area where like I think the through line between the first one and the second is a little bit more disconnected. Yeah, I was also Mm -hmm. like confused by that for a little bit as well. So yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about that? I liked it. I think it was cute. Like it. Yeah, yeah. It gave us some nice like comedic moments. The scene where he drops down out of the window and then (laughs) the daughter sees him is a very funny one. (laughs) Yeah, and also just with him at the bar where she kind of like is getting him thrown out and getting him to buy like drinks for everyone and i even like the scene where they go on a boat together was kind of funny yeah i think she mostly served to bring out the more emotional stuff like the deeper character stuff of maverick which is fine like that's yeah usually how those things go it at least it for me it gave the whole subplot more purpose and meaning within the story as a whole yeah i was fine with it i liked the chemistry between them wasn't like a love story for the ages but yeah it's i think it was just the right doses for what this movie needed just enough to elevate it but not so much that it became like a distraction or that it had you like waiting for it to go back to its main story but yeah yeah it fit nicely into the role that it needed to be for this to be like the classic Mm -hmm. film with you know b plot 
romance that it is. So uh, it yeah. definitely added to the overall cheesiness of the movie, <laughs> right. which yes. I really loved. I'm still a big sucker for such moments, no matter how many art house movies I watch. When melodrama is done right, like it still sweeps me up. <laughs> I especially liked the very end. There's this. There were two moments where I thought the movie was gonna cut to black and end. And the first one was when they are celebrating on the ship. And there was this kind of like this Mad Max Fury Road setup where you had the bosses looking down from the upper deck of the ship yeah. down towards Tom Cruise, who is in between the men, like he's where he belongs and he's found his place and he is the captain with value. It's at least visually it reminded me of Furiosa looking down on Matt in that final scene where he kind of disappears into the crowd. But then I thought like, oh wait, we still have to wrap up the love story and right. sure after like that's what happens like we cut like a little bit into the future maverick is working on this plane obviously <laughs> i always like those little movies like or scene introductions where a actor is like doing some random shit to like an engine or <laughs> yeah they're just vaguely touching it not enough to mess anything up but <laughs> but anyways like benny rolls up and they have their big moment and then that's when i was sure it was gonna cut to black but then instead like lady gaga started playing and that had me like it was a bit of a whiplash moment that we got like this whole scene with them flying around and it felt like the story was like over like right, from here yeah. on like nothing was contributing to like the plot anymore or like even the character arcs were resolved like we knew everything that we needed to know for this story to be over and still they gave us that little bit more and, <laughs> and for some reason it worked like i thought it was just it fits so well with the whole vibe of it all that like i was okay with it <laughs> it's a movie that knows exactly what it's trying to be and it's delivering it like on that mm -hmm. promise which is amazing yeah, in some way, it, I said at the beginning, like it felt like it filled a void that I didn't know was there. But I don't want to overstate like the importance and greatness of this movie. I thought it was really good. I'm not sure like beyond that. I'm, I do know like I saw it a week ago and I'm still riding that high. So maybe it will wear off at some point. Maybe it won't and it will be like a classic, but we'll see. But I do like you mentioned that we talked about a lot of movies that are like about society and they are about the state of humanity in the internet and or the age of the internet and the age of disconnect and the longing for meaning and i like how this movie kind of comes in and just gives you that everything everywhere all at once also try to give you like this nugget of meaning towards the end but it's still wrapped within that larger framework right. of like let's first analyze how bad everything is and yeah. make you relate to this sadness and the sorrowness of modern life and existence and i like that how top gun just doesn't do any of that it just gives you that straight up warmth almost that you've been longing for in some yeah. way and i guess we can also talk a little bit about its connection to the military here we have this story that's such a feel-good story it feels like classic like a classic story of just people coming together like pushing the boundaries rising towards human greatness and fulfilling whatever destiny we can imagine for us but at the same time it's also grounded in like an obviously real military yes. context yeah. i've thought a lot about what that meant and i think the short answer is i'm not bothered by it too much but i think it's interesting to explore it nevertheless and to be at least aware of how it plays into this movie and maybe also how you should 
watch a movie like this. Not that I'm trying to tell you what to do, but yeah. <laughs> it was almost kind of funny. Like I thought maybe at first I missed the mission that I was missing what country it was in, like who was the enemy. And towards the end, it became like, especially it's almost comical how they went out of their way to make sure the enemy was as generic and yeah. characterless as possible. It was just a fake yeah. nature landscape. Could be anywhere in any mountains, really. Enemy aircrafts didn't have any like logos or distinguishing factors. The enemy soldiers, you see a few at some point also. You hear some mumbling, but there's no clear language to make out. There's no faces. They all have helmets on, so you don't see any ethnicities or something like that. They're so. basically stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, it's like capital G generic yeah. enemy. And again, as we look at the story from the way we've been doing like this, these enemies are obviously meant to be like an external obstacle that's basically a personification of the internal struggle that they have to overcome. But at the same time, when you are looking through a more like socio-political context like that external obstacle, that personification is something real, like those are still actual people, that's an actual nation. Yes. There's actual power dynamics going on there. So I do think it's important to be mindful of how exactly that works. Because I think the way I look at it, there's basically like two ways of looking at metaphor. Like you have the kind of mythological view where you see like a good example of that would be like Lord of the Rings, where you see like everything as a metaphor for like internal things, like the orcs are like corrupted versions of what you could become like and the ring is like the evil in the world is like the potential for evil or like the potential for corruption within yourself and you so you don't really connect that to any real world peoples or nations at least right. not so much as a story that's set in the actual world where you obviously that's kind of the second way of looking at the story where you kind of do take it as like a literal reality where the obstacles and enemies and do reflect like literal other people. Yes. It's not to say like there's not like a hard distinction between the two. You can look at the story with in both ways and even Lord of the Rings, like you can make some connections there about what it says about like the real world, but it's obviously more divorced from our reality, which makes it easier not to um, be bothered by that, at least for me. But when it comes to like something like Top Gun, when you have a very real military working within a real nation in our reality, so to say, that you do start to wonder, like, who are these others supposed to be? And to what extent is it okay that we kind of live out this heroic fantasy in which yeah. we basically sacrifice an external or we need like the otherization to fulfill our own internal struggles? Like, what does that say about that kind of heroic myth that we do need an external obstacle for us to project our internal struggles onto and then destroy them. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this? I mean, I felt very conflicted about it in that way mm -hmm. where, you know, we've been talking about a lot of the elements of it that make it the classical story form that it takes on makes it, you know, in a lot of ways, like an enjoyable movie to watch. You can get engaged mm -hmm. with it. There's this hero's arc. You can kind of, in a sense, just let go into the story and become invested in the character without this tension of like oh it's an anti-hero it's all these things which is a lot of the space that like the most popular the biggest media has been in but because it's doing that that means it's leaving behind a lot of the reasons i think media has gone in that direction which is like part of our reality in a lot of ways is that america hasn't fought a war 
that hasn't felt mm -hmm. like clearly and concisely heroic and justified since like World War II. It's a lot of like, if you go to the movies that are the most uncritical of war and have the just like biggest sense of like, here's a hero, just like the band of brothers, the like, it's mostly mm -hmm. World War II stuff because there was such a clear vision of like who the enemy was and that they were bad and that we were fighting that evil that like it allows us to create narratives within that context that are very uncritical of like the whole structure of the conflict. That's not to say like there aren't any movies about war since then or about other wars, but I think like largely mm. every war that the US has <laughs> fought since then is a lot more messy and is a lot more like you know, gray and hard to define and, you know, arguably unjustified or, un or like, you know, all these things. And this movie is kind of asking you to like participate in that space by like creating, like you've said, like a nameless enemy where it's just like, eh, we're not going to engage with like the problems inherent to being involved in any one certain conflict. And we just want to kind of mm -hmm. like let you forget about all of that and as a movie forget about it and set that aside and focus on the fact that like we're just doing what we're doing as well as we can and i think there's a mode of engaging with that that like is fine i don't think it's wrong to like get invested in these stories i think mm -hmm. like the tension that i have that that sometimes i worry about would be like is the takeaway for people from this like oh there's meaning to be found and there's a sense of purpose that can be found in like pushing yourself to your highest potential striving to imagine that something more can be done in letting go we didn't really talk about that thematic aspect but like of letting go of control and like trying mm -hmm. to protect you know people from harm unrealistically and just like accepting what's happened and allowing people to be you know, kind of have agency of their own life, which is kind of the arc between Maverick and Rooster and like engaging with it as a myth, kind of in the way that you're describing as like, mm -hmm. these things are all metaphors for like how we could live our life. That to me is a fine story. That's great. But then the tension of that is there's also a story here, which is like going very fast in jets and destroying the enemy mm -hmm. at all cost. That's where the meaning is yeah. found. That's what makes you a hero. And I think like that to me is a little more of a sticky, thorny story mm -hmm. that i find it harder to like you know engage with like i see that on screen and the but you know like the critical mm -hmm. parts of my brain start like kicking in a little bit i'm not going to pass wholesale judgment on this movie which i think tells a good story but i definitely felt that tension to some degree watching yeah. it of like it kind of feels nice to watch something that's that's more straightforward mm -hmm. and less critical but also like i feel the absence of that kind of critique but, mm -hmm. you know, I also trust that, like, I think there's a lot of audiences. I don't have an answer to that. I just have the conflict that I feel about it. Yeah. I wasn't too bothered by it. And especially after I thought about it, like, I'm more okay with it, I think. And I think for me, like, just also maybe for context, like, I'm from the Netherlands. Right. We don't have a militaristic nation, yes. really. So for me, the whole... Americana aspect of it already feels more like fantasy. <laughs> right, right, so yes. In some way, it feels more divorced from my like immediate reality. I think we've come to a point where we are really critical of like classic heroic myths and like even my own videos, I explore that a lot and I'm very yeah. fascinated by it. But at the same time, 
seeing some of the reactions on this movie, I also feel like maybe we're starting to be too afraid of having them, like that we cannot have them at all. I think if we just have like more media literacy in some way, like as long as people are at least conscious about that this is a story, that this is about the human spirit, it's not about right. the literal enemies, then it's kind of fine. And I do like the way this movie helps in doing so by not having a real enemy. The dangerous aspects of heroic myths is that they can become more explicit in framing certain peoples or nations or cultures as villainous or barbaric or whatever. Right. Sometimes explicitly, sometimes only by coding certain characters in a way, like the way the stormtroopers are like coded with Nazi symbolism, for example. Just have to have like a shortcut for this is the evil one. Yeah. Not to say that the Nazis weren't evil, but the way it functions in storytelling is you create these sort of cultural connections to pinpoint like deliberately or accidentally like these are evil yeah. people and they need to be destroyed. And so I do think that Top Gun kind of avoids it by not having a clear enemy. Like if you walk out of this movie, like all fired up about the military, there's still no target really. Right. right. I don't think this movie gives you like some people to root against like there's no nation to hate there's no evil general to destroy or relish in having them killed and also one thing that i was really interested in is the way it uses the kind of the boot camps really like this whole movie is essentially like a training camp but what you usually see in a lot of war movies that feature these boot camps is that there's a lot of punching down on like the weakest link yeah yeah if you look at like full metal jacket most famous example, perhaps you see these places that are meant to serve as like the training grounds for the soldiers, but really they are just like these places that cruelly punch down on the weakest of them and only have like the most quote unquote, the best soldiers like move on, which already in itself establishes like there's a weakness that is external and that you need to project onto someone else and then kick them out or whatever. But from the very beginning, like in Top Gun, there's, they establish so quickly that this is something that they're in together. Like the team building, it happens almost straight away. Like this, that one moment where there's the kind of weird guy who's named Bob yes. is introduced. He was kind of set up as this punching bag, but then pretty much straight away after, like he's immediately accepted into the group. He's not like bullied or like punched down on ever again in the movie that's like respected as just one of the others and also combined with like what i mentioned earlier that there's a lot of focus also on the support of the team like it really does feel like a team effort towards the end i do feel like it does show the military as something that is genuinely effective at team building right it's not to say that the military is like that but i do think it at least shows that there's potential for goodness in human beings in general taking it as like on a metaphorical level. Right. I definitely understand where you're coming from. I don't think I necessarily disagree with anything that you're saying. And I see hmm. definitely the full potential to engage with this story as sort of the myth. I see the value in that kind of lack of villainization of like a specific group. Mm -hmm. I think the part I would still remain, you know, somewhat critical of was just within the context too of like growing up my entire life having the u.s be like engaged in a war that you know felt to me like i didn't understand and like didn't feel like always entirely justified my views of that like 
shifting as I grew up and learned more. And like, I think a lot of people feel differently about things about like the U.S.'s place within conflict now than maybe they did, you know, a decade or 15 years ago. But we're entering back into an interesting space where like there's a new war and there's mm -hmm. a renewed sense of like there's an evil villain that is, you know, acting on the world. Yep. There's a conflict that is more black and white or feels more black and white to a lot of people. And I think like the part of this that I guess still makes me feel slightly uncomfortable is that sense of, and again, I'm not necessarily asking for this movie to be this mm -hmm. because I think it's fine for there to be stories that are not every story has to be like a deep critical examination of like our assumptions about everything. But I guess just the like the tension that I still feel is this sense of like being fully invested in the sense of nationalism of just like the conflict in this is like there's another group that's like refining uranium. I just have a certain degree of discomfort with like this movie's relationship mm -hmm. to the military and its picture of the military. I definitely see as maybe being like better and more wholesome than certainly some others, but still, I still have a certain discomfort kind of, I think, inherently with the valorization of that environment in this kind of way, especially in a form that's not like we're telling a story from history that happened. Like I am almost less uncomfortable with something like Hacksaw Ridge, where it's like, you know, you can kind of hold the tension of that film within the context mm -hmm. of like, but we're also telling a story about something that happened and a person who held an ideal like in reality, mm -hmm. in a real world context. And that can be messy, but we're going to honor that person and what they were the ideal that they were striving to uphold. I don't feel like I have a very coherent like counterpoint here. No, I, I understand what you're getting at. Yeah. And almost the vagueness mm -hmm. of the conflict for me, I think made that difficult in a sense where I'm like, I see what you're saying in that there's a value in that of not like villainizing a specific group, but then it's almost like in my mind, it then it allowed the enemy in this movie to take on any form. And I'm like, that could be like, you know, a justifiable target, but that could also be like an unjustifiable target that like the US has had a history of like mm -hmm. harming, you know, civilians or whatever. That vagueness almost like allowed for that to exist there. I have complicated feelings that aren't like uh -huh. concise or I can't justify or put into clear words. Yeah. And I don't really mean that as like a pure critique of this film so much as just like mm -hmm. that was my response and the conflict that I felt, I think, watching it. Yeah. So I guess there's like you can argue that while it doesn't put down anyone else, it does really rise up itself. Right, it really yes. makes you excited about the American military, right, even yeah. though it doesn't give you an enemy to fight against. It just makes you excited about being part of that group. But to maybe clarify something that I was saying earlier about like the potential of the military, a, like as a more metaphorical right, way, yes, like for yeah. me, it was almost such heightened reality that I don't really look at it as like real, right. or, quote unquote, <laughs> yeah, real yeah. military. But that's also maybe my already like divorce from the American right. military culture. But for me also, the way it's kind of, it's almost a film that would discourage me from actually joining the military because it communicated so well at how complicated even a mission like that is yes yeah like i imagine like you hear a lot like when there's 
something evil happening somewhere else and that there's this prevailing sentiment like oh why don't we just like bomb them it's right and have to have it be over and then this movie for me at least really communicated like whoa this is actually this is like really difficult like there's maybe a handful of people on the planet that could pull off like a mission like this and i probably wouldn't be among those yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the sense that it did also everything in its power to like convince me that this is not for me <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> this is not like something i would be capable of yeah so yeah in that sense it didn't really feel for me at least like it's a movie that tries to pull you into the military it's not like they pick like like an everyday man from the street and he's now in the top gun program he goes from zero to hero like no there's already like all of these people are like at the top of their game super exclusive like don't even try to become a part of this it's just like yeah. it's almost as if it's trying to say it's just a story don't <laughs> try this at home <laughs> I definitely get that. Having maybe a closer proximity to the culture that this comes out of, for better or for worse, a lot of people who probably wouldn't feel that way about this movie, yeah. who would like see it and be like, yes, <laughs> that's America. That's us. There was also that moment where the captain said to Tom Cruise or Maverick that like he was the only pilot to shoot down like three enemy aircraft right, yeah. in like 40 years. And <laughs> I'm not sure if it was intentional, but like my initial reaction was like, is that all? That's Just it, like yeah. three? Are these dogfights like happening all the time? But yeah. apparently it's not. So in that sense, like it gave me a much more nuanced perspective of like actual military operations, like the amount of planning that's involved, like the kind of lack of action for like most of their careers, like that they kind of also like emphasize, like all these are at the top of the game, like all these pilots are the best of the best. And yet none of them have been in like an actual dogfight. That's not true, actually. I think Hangman had like one or two kills, yeah. maybe one. Yeah. At the end, it, it turned out he had three or maybe two mm -hmm. because he had come in and like saved the day. But then like Maverick had gotten two more in the course of that mission. Oh, yeah. So like he had five now and Hangman was didn't have the, the lead or something. But yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's I think my yeah. takeaway of and it's also just like the gut reaction, like of like what was the emotion that I had right. walking out of this movie, which for me at least was a very uplifted one. Like I use public transport to get home and i felt like i'm gonna thank the bus driver extra right. hard now. Like, I, I felt like very connected yes. to like we're all in this together and like top gun is like a metaphor right. for the mission that we have as human beings to inspire each other to bring out the best of us and it made like a very symbolical impact on me instead of like making me very aware of like the real potential politics yeah that might be involved in it and if that's a good thing i don't know maybe it just brainwashed me like <laughs> completely like it did exactly what the military wanted it to do <laughs> still not gonna join so i guess it failed but. <laughs> i think that's fine and i'm you know like i went into this saying i enjoyed this as well i'm not trying to say this is a bad movie or a movie that shouldn't exist i hope hmm that people can hopefully people are engaging with it in the way that you are and i like to some yep. extent i trust audiences there's a, a lot of propagandistic stuff out there but i'm very hesitant or critical of like the line of reasoning that just treats mm -hmm. like moviegoers as like sheep who are just like brainwashed by whatever the narrative of the movie they're watching is like i think people are yep. you know you have your views movies have like influenced me but like to a certain degree i think you have your perspective on the world and you're either going to feel conflicted 
buy a film that engages counter to that or it'll just boister how you already feel in a lot of ways you know not universally but i think a lot of the time that's what's happening but you know so also what i'm saying is what i have is just also my experience with this movie Mm -hmm. which was that like i was getting caught up in it and i almost wanted to be more caught up in it than i was Mm -hmm. but then like in the back of my head there's that little piece that's like yeah but you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah and it it was hard i either i couldn't shut that down or the movie didn't quite overcome that for me or supplant that and just to emphasize like i do think it's important to ask those questions that you're asking and as those who are familiar with my videos you know i yes (laughs) myself like all the time like it's very important to be mindful of these connections and relations but i think that you're as as you said like i think it's also a good thing to just trust the audience and to trust that they will watch something like this consciously that they can watch this with a certain degree of like at the same time being connected to like the story while also being divorced from like the potential reality of it that they can just enjoy it like as a story and nothing else like yeah but yeah I, i was thinking if there's another possible metaphor like i said it reminded me of a racing movie in some way Mm -hmm. i think that is perhaps for me at least the closest thing that kind of invokes within me that same emotion i was thinking of especially of that movie actually two movies you have the ford versus ferrari yes yeah and rush i think it was called which was also like this rivalry Mm -hmm. ends in like this mutual respect as they both push each other towards greatness and they both have fast vehicles, also like yeah. aircraft. I think there's just something about, I mentioned at the beginning, like what is it about fast moving vehicles that <laughs> right. fascinates yes. us so much, or that at least is so cinematically compelling. I think it just like enhances both a, or at least literally like the visual aspect of it all. Like there's someone running, but someone in a car goes even faster. And in a plane, it goes even yeah. faster still. And it also really demonstrates like the complexity of mastering something like mastering some external thing outside of yourself maybe it's just that there's something satisfying about pushing a gas pedal or like hitting like the thruster and just going like supersonic there is something satisfying about it i'm going full turbo i'll definitely acknowledge (laughs) that i love to drive a car and when i was in can for a week i was you know walking everywhere public transport and then you mm-hmm. know flying on the plane there and you get back you know you're like waiting in lines behind people and like you know delays on the runway and like the whole time it's just like somebody else is in control of you're either walking or somebody else is like in control of what you're doing mm-hmm. and then i got back to the airport and i like got in my car and pulled out onto the highway and it was just like Oh, I felt free. I could go. So like, <laughs> there's definitely like, I definitely have that. There's an appeal to these things that I yeah. definitely understand. It becomes in like an extension of yes. yourself, your own inner yeah, feelings or exactly. inner landscape or whatever. I've gotten to, you know, ride in some like helicopters and stuff like that, where it's like, you're, you're flying in this, you know, amazing environment <laughs> and it, just, it feels cool. It feels amazing. So I definitely don't deny the raw inherent, like, <laughs> you know, appeal of those things I think is very real. So to your point though, about like talking about movies and having conversations like this is valuable because I would always rather engage with this stuff. I think that's part of why doing this is valuable because rather than just condemn a piece of media that like makes me feel conflicted or something like that, I would rather have people engage with it, engage with it myself, and then use that as a place to better understand the world, better understand 
you know, my feelings about things and why things like that are appealing. And then, you know, the engagement of a movie like that can help you understand how, you know, maybe you can get romanced by, you know, the raw energy of like mm-hmm. wanting to get in an airplane and <laughs> just go as fast <laughs> as humanly possible. <laughs> that in and of itself is not inherently bad. There's mm. many reasons why that might be a very worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. That first scene where Tom Cruise is like in that special airplane, it reminded me a little bit of First Man also, which was this. Yes. To me, at least, I think it's an underrated movie about humanity pushing its own boundaries. And actually, that might be a better metaphor that because it, it kind of shows the collective effort towards a external goal without necessarily needing to have like an external generic enemy to destroy. Yeah. yeah. Even though, again, that movie even brought it up like there's obviously the question of like there's people going hungry and there's like social issues here on the planet. Why are we wasting our efforts on going to the moon? But yeah, I guess that's another discussion, right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you think Top Gun Maverick ranks among like the other legacy sequels that we've been getting recently? Mm, that's a good question. I think it, it's definitely a good one in terms of increase in quality from the first to the second. Mm-hmm. I think like it's really easy to just be down on like the fact that so much stuff is like a sequel or a remake or, you know, whatever. So it is nice when every now and then somebody comes along and is like, I'm going to make one that's as good or better. I would say it's better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a big win. It's definitely a big win in that regard. It's going to take a long time before anything beats Blade Runner 2049 for me, which is one of my favorite sci fi oh, yeah. ever. I thought about like Blade Runner as well, but I do think that movie, it's not necessarily like a critique of that movie, but it does really require you to have watched the yes. original. I think the if original, you go into yeah. Blade Runner 2049 blind, like it will make very little sense. Yeah. Like it will, you will feel like you're missing out of information. That's also one of my favorite sequels or at least sequels with like a lot of time in between them in between yeah the other one i thought of was mad max fury road which i think is more like top gun in the sense that you don't have to have seen the originals like not at all really i don't think there's any connection to the previous movies but not really yeah that's a good one as well Mm -hmm. that movie i think would still top this one for me i i love that movie in a in a certain way but it's its own unhinged sort of beast about going fast (laughs) i'm looking forward to the furiosa prequel i guess oh yeah pre-sequel that just started filming yeah so we'll get another one of those the wheel continues to turn yeah no definitely think this movie turned out much better than i would have personally predicted if you had just been like there's gonna be a sequel to top gun i would have probably been like okay that'll be probably terrible but (laughs) it was definitely not terrible when i saw the first trailer i didn't think much of it but that was like two years ago it got delayed a bunch and so i kind of forgot about it i it was like this just another legacy sequel that was coming out but then before i went in i did see like a lot of people getting excited about it so i kind of built my anticipation up a little bit more but it's still it's fulfilled every it went way beyond it it went like i was expecting mach 10 and i got like 10.2 <laughs> <Mach> 10. <laughs> 10. 
as I said at the beginning, like I just had a blast with it in the movie theater. I this is for me the reason why I want to watch movies on the big screen. Like I want to have that emotional reaction. I want to be like swept up in the sensation of it all, like the spectacle, and while still getting like a story that feels meaningful in its own way, if not like without its little notes of carefulness. But yeah, overall, uh, I think it was a great film. I would love to see more people try to to do this path like yeah i think it's cool to see like a very sincere film again i love the movies that i think probably more so than you a lot of the times i like the movies that are sort of like a deconstruction Mm -hmm. or have this almost meta element but even saying that it's nice to have a touchstone to come back to to be like this is what a story is like you know five layers of like deconstructing the form and Mm. like (laughs) you know stories and narratives and all of these things so i'd love to see more people trying to do that from time to time with a variety of things of just saying like hey i'm gonna go in and tell a classical story and just let it be what it is you know and not have to worry too much about you know whether or not have to question the very idea Mm -hmm. of telling a story within the, the piece itself don't have to anticipate all the memes and <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Get ahead of like the cinema since video and the honest trailer. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just a movie that kind of lacks self awareness in like a good way, in that sense. Right. It's not too self conscious. And then, like Rooster, it's not holding itself back. Yeah. It'll be very interesting, I think, to look back on this movie mm-hmm. in maybe another five years or maybe more like six or eight years after some other movies come out in its wake. Was this like a last hurrah Hmm. of like a certain kind of blockbuster film and narrative? Or was this the beginning of like maybe a resurgence into something, into a space that was a little bit more like sincere and Mm -hmm. just like upfront? So we'll find out. I guess we'll see, yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on our creator-owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can find exclusive bonus episodes and listen to all of our episodes a week early. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, visit curiositystream.com slash cinemaofmeaning, or just follow the link in the show notes. And we'll see you again next time.